Who are the worst DLC characters in Street Fighter V? How about the characters who tend to take advantage of lag the most? We talk about both, but not before Majin Tenshinhan joins to tell us why Strive is the Street Fighter V of Guilty Gear games, all on this week's episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. I'm having a good day. I'm having a good week. Um, first and foremost, because uh, as many of you may have just realized, unless of course you're in premium YouTube subscription, you might have had to just sit through an ad, which means we've checked all the boxes that we need to check to get over one huge hurdle, which is to uh, to monetize. I know that might not be as exciting for the viewers because now there might be ads and stuff, but... It's a big deal for for us and for me specifically because um, this has been my project to work on and I've been putting a lot of time in research, execution, all of this kind of stuff. And um, and it's nice to kind of have passed one of these uh, mile markers. So, hey, here we are. And um, and I also needed to burn about 30 seconds because when you're monetized, you're not allowed to say swear words within the first 30 seconds. But we're probably past that now. And I have a few bitch-ass rage quitters to report to the public. Bitch-ass rage quitters of the week. As All as right. I think you do as well too, right? Uh, I mean, I think I ran into one of the ones that you had before, uh, and uh, yeah, there there was another one too. Oh, uh, did you run into Flying Schlong from two weeks ago? I've ran into Flying Schlong. I blacklisted him too right afterwards. I'm like, you know what? This is this is enough. So um, <laughs> did he rage so quit on go. you? So. Uh, he did not rage quit on me All right. uh, this time. So Fair yeah. enough. But but residual shame to fly in Shalong. <laughs> His connection time. also was balls, but we're, we're going to talk about that later on. Well, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. And and by the way, if in, in my, I have a policy on that. If your connection is bad and it, and it, it sucks uh, and or, or the other person's connection is bad, well, first of all, you're playing online. Finish the game and don't rematch them. Big difference between that and uh, just straight up rage quitting, especially when only it's it's at the point where you're losing. Uh, but this week, I ran into two different rage quitters and got rage quit on a total of three times. Uh, the mm. first of which was a Balrog player by the name of Master NSX. What a bitch ass rage quitter he was. Uh, and then the actually he wasn't the first one; he was the second one. The first and third one was uh, a guy or girl named BBW Messiah, an Abigail player. Now I started my set. This was uh, this was yesterday. I started the set for the day. And it was like the first or second match. I ran into this guy. He's a Grandmaster Abigail player. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't the smoothest, but we were definitely playing. We were committed. We were, we, were, we were manifesting on screen almost all of what we wanted to do. And sure enough, Rage Quit happens. And I think it was in the second game. Well, uh, I, I jotted it down. And then the very last set of the session that I was playing there... He pops up again, and I was like, oh, I'm recording this on OBS because if they rage quit out or if someone rage quits, you don't get the replay. It doesn't go to CFN, but if you record locally, well, you got it, and then so I did that, mm-hmm. and sure enough, we got ourselves another rage quit, and you'll be able to see it live. Well, not live. You'll be able to see the footage here, um, and uh, shame to you, BBW Messiah. Be better. Grandmaster players, man, you'd think you kind of grow out of this kind of stuff once you once you get into the groove of things and once you have played enough matches and, and you've figured out how Street Fighter works. But no, still rage quitting even at the Grandmaster yeah. level. 
Yeah, you lose a bunch of points too. Like, because uh, uh, I've had my connection drop out a few times. It was it was my connection dropping out. I didn't rage quit. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, you lose like a ton of points when it happens, and it's just like, ugh. so it's not even worth rage quitting. Like, it really hurts you. Uh, but I haven't like you know I don't often rage quit, so I don't know if like you know maybe at diamond rank like you only lose thirty five points or some crap like that. Some weird thing Capcom did. But it, the the times my connections bombed out, it's like been like ugh, like that. That's like awful. Don't do it. So yeah, but. For some people, and we're going to talk about this later on, some people points are a kind of come and go type of thing. I don't know. Where they're like, yeah, yeah, you know. So They certainly don't care about their own character and their own, you know, the perception that everybody else has of them. So anyways, that was this week's Bitch Ass Rage Quitters of the Week. Bitch Ass Rage Quitters of the Week. (laughs) I I like that segment. That's, That's a lot of fun for me. Um, okay, so jumping right into it here, this uh, the first segment I want to get into is the worst DLC characters of Street Fighter V. Now, mm. we have more DLC characters now than we do original roster members. There's only 16 of those, and I think we're up to, what, like 26 DLC? And uh, there, there's a couple of ways of approaching this. Like, what do you mean by worst? Do you mean worst on the tier list? Do you mean something else completely? I, I widely mean something else completely, although it does factor in how, how strong a character is. I think that's a huge part of this discussion. I don't think you can divorce it from the discussion. Um, but mainly this is in the modern times, DLC is a common thing across almost every game and, and is uh, almost every genre. It's something that has become just the routine and as far as i can tell a successful dlc content bundle edition whatever is something that gets people to continue to play your game if you're already playing it or if they're already playing it and it's something that gets new people to potentially jump in if they're not already playing it and so when i look at fighting games it's pretty plain to see what a dlc character would would be and what you would hope that they would be um, in those terms and so i look at a lot of these characters and basically what i've boiled it down to is how much of a splash did they make when they were first revealed and then how much do people play them and return to playing them after they're out and because that's the way we're sort of doing this I, I i see rose and i see dan the two most recent ones and i don't know that i have as much uh, enough data this, the experiment's kind of still yeah. in progress with those so i i really don't have them on the table we can talk about them especially if you have anything to say i know you're a rose player um so you might have two cents about her but i i kind of put them off the table for this because like i say the experiment's still sort of in process for them yeah it's pretty darn fair yeah um, and I think the biggest, uh, if you wanted to say someone was a, a failure or there was a failed DLC attempt here, it would have to do with apathy toward the character. If they're not serving their purpose of getting hype to, uh, to you know, funneling hype towards, in this case, Street Fighter, and getting people to play or come back or, or start for the first time, that's where it doesn't really work for me. And those are the kinds of characters that I think um, go on this list. So... I'll start with the most obvious one because I think there's one character beyond others that did not make a splash when they were first introduced, really, and they really haven't made much of a splash since. And that's Falk. Uh, yeah. Falk, when she was first revealed, it's like there was intrigue as to like what she's gonna be, and and you know she looks a little bit different. She's got her bow staff. She's got really long reach. She was gonna be a zoner in a game where zoning really didn't work all that much. So there was some intrigue there and such. 
but I remember the takeaways from when her trailer dropped. I remember seeing it for the first time, looking at some comments. It was that people felt like she looked kind of janky. They weren't hype for her. They were just, they, they were immediately pointing to issues that they had. And then she comes out and she's widely regarded as a low tier character. Never really escaped that. And there have been moments in time where people have entertained the idea that she's going to be better or that the, the game updates and she's got a whole list of buffs and she's going to be really good. But in terms of competitive play, I think we saw Oil King bring her out like twice to not that much effect. And she's super unpopular in CFN. She's often in the bottom three, bottom four, and in terms of the monthly update uh, uh, statistics that they roll out. Falk has not been a reason for people to pick up Street Fighter V. Um, it, she's not been a reason for them to continue playing it. As far as I can tell, I mean, she, she's got a decent, um, you know, visual design. She's got some good costumes, I think. But really, when you're asking people to pay extra money for some content or, or you know, grind out extra time and, and use their fight money and such, you're asking more of them to get this content. She really hasn't checked that box. Yeah, I, Justin Wong, I will shout him out for uh, also playing Falcon Tournament and doing some things but it's like you and i are struggling to name anyone who's played this character and uh to me the biggest dud in the game mm -hmm. uh really disappointing and, and this is a, a lesson for all the uh the people who are introducing new ip new characters into fighting games you need to do a lot to really make those characters kind of pop and it, that's a very important part of the process so and falk just kind of came out with a, a lot of meh like I don't really care, mm -hmm. you know, and and so just really a big failure, kind of all around. I think is is what I kind of look at for Falk. Yeah, and I will say shout outs to my buddy Rambro here. He's up in Phoenix where they eat boogers, but he is a pretty good player, and he has uh, leveled up and won Wednesday night fights with Falk not too long ago, mm -hmm. a few months back. I haven't played him in a long time since the pandemic started, so it'd be interesting to see uh, that. So, so there have been some success ca success cases with her, but uh, really, on the whole, not a lot going on with Falk. Um, so, I, I, something else I want to mention here: Falk's a brand new character to the franchise, so there aren't expectations that come with her. That's both a blessing and a curse. It's a double-edged sword. Then the other type of character, of course, would be a returning character, and they will have expectations because they will already have fan base. They will already have momentum, and that factors into all of this because, again, it's about how much hype a character is going to bring. If it's a brand new character, you're starting from square one. If it's not, you're starting from somewhere else down the line, and that changes the, the calculus a little bit. The next character I want to talk about is a returning character, um, I, I'm not sure, outside of Falk being the absolute worst, that's for sure uh, as far as I'm concerned. The rest of these characters, I don't know the, the varying degrees as to you know how bad they are, but I think just hashing out the details and letting people kind of choose from there is, is, is I'm completely content with. So the next character is a returning character, and the expectations for a returning character in terms of effective DLC are naturally higher. And especially when it's a character like Sagat who has been around in the Street Fighter franchise since day one, the original fighting game boss, so to speak. And uh, he's got such a presence, so much potential momentum that the expectations are higher for him. And when you got, you've got this new character coming in and everyone's excited to play him, everyone's excited to see what Bonchan does with him, there have been little splashes here and there, but the big takeaway and, and the big feeling about Sagat has widely been 
that it's not fun to just sit back and throw Tiger shots. It's not fun to try to play his basic game. It's a grind that tends to be in, in not in your favor. The game has not really benefited his style ever, and he hasn't really been good enough to make it happen. There have been some success cases with him, some people that have really put the time in, and I think that's because the character has so much oomph behind him. But as far as his manifestation here in SF5, it hasn't been something fun and empowering as much as it has been a grind and, and a frustration. And so this character that could be, it was like Sagat was already a home run just because of who he was, but it could have easily been a grand slam and should have been a grand slam. And instead, he's just been more of a point of frustration that people want to like, but haven't really been able to fully embrace. And that may have changed here in season five. You know, he's gotten better and maybe with V shift and such, the, the calculus has changed a bit, but we still haven't seen um, him become a reason for people to be really like surging in hype and playing the game. Yeah. I, in one of the things about Sagat, like unlike some of the other characters is it's clear there's a number of high level players that are putting in time into him and they're just not getting a lot of results back out. They're getting some, but like comparatively, you know, there's some underexplored characters in this game. And Sagat's not one of them, in my opinion. He's decently well explored and just people can't get uh, the juice isn't worth the squeeze, mm -hmm. as they say. And in Sagat's case, I don't know if it is. Yeah. And again, this is this is different expectations. Sagat has had a bigger hype splash, if you will, than other DLC characters. But that the expectation of him to have a huge one and the potential for how much this character could have been versus what he actually came to be in fruition, that that gap there is a reason why I feel like he's a failure. Not because he's necessarily bringing the least amount of hype, but because he's the biggest, one of the biggest missed opportunities. The, uh, the next character falls into this same exact category, and I dare say, even though Sagat has a bigger legacy, the potential here was even greater, and that, of course, is for Jury. She's a relatively new character in the Street Fighter franchise. She popped up in Street Fighter 4 back in uh, back in Super, so that's somewhere around 2010. She's only been around for 11 years or so, and yet she is, as we've said before, one of the absolute biggest fan favorites across the board. You look up fan art, you're going to see Morgan, Chun-Li, Cammy, and you'll see Jury. And like my, every time you'll see Jury and multiple images of Jury. People love to talk about her. People were so hyped. She's got so much personality. And yet she's been this kind of lukewarm character that has not been strong enough or at least perceived to be strong enough and that's part of the equation here it's the character the uh, the the audience's perception of what they can do potentially with a character that's going to get a lot of them to play or not play and jury has had a decent amount of attention despite this idea but again where she should have been a matter of fact grand slam this character could have been so much more than she is in terms of people playing her in terms of her driving hype excitement goodwill towards street fighter 5 and instead every time she's brought up it's well almost every time she's brought up it's with this negative lens of she's not good enough she doesn't have the tools that she needs and and then those of us on the other side, it's like I I lose to juries all the time. And maybe she's a natural sort of counter to my character. Maybe she does what my character wants to do better. And so I have a particularly rough time. But 
I'm not going, you know, every time I see jury, oh, at least it's a free win. At least it's, it, you know, there, there's been not a lot of positivity on either side around her. And so there's still a love for her, like the foundational mm -hmm. fan appreciation that she is the waifu. She is the, the character someone can identify with, whatever it is. There's still a lot of momentum there, but it still feels squandered, relatively speaking, because it could have been so much more with better execution of the character in general. One of the, the biggest disappointments I had uh, with Capcom with Jury is that it was like season three and they nerfed her inexplicably. And it was like Infiltration had like, you know, won a tournament with her as like a sub or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and they're, they're combo like, okay, break or it, something. But that was like. Yeah, yeah. And, and then they're, they're like, let's nerf her. And it's like, what? Like, you have a character who's not even that good and you have some real problem characters who we've documented super well in the podcast here. And, and it's like, you hit Jury? What? Like, that is. I don't want to say inexcusable because maybe Capcom has got someone behind the scenes who's really good with the character or something like that. But like it, it's it's a mind bender for me in terms of like why that would happen and not having a very good explanation behind it either. Mm -hmm. um, when you have characters like Kami Akuma Rashid back then who clearly needed nerfs and you hit jury that it's just like it's one of those like, OK, fighting game developers like that's called being really out of touch. And that should probably never happen without an extremely good explanation backing it. Uh, it. It's like when they nerfed Phoenix Wright in Ultimate Marvel 3. Like, if for something, like, they felt like he was too cheap, but it's like no one was playing the damn character. And and you gotta, you got to give people a chance to actually explore these characters, especially when they're DLC. And let them kind of like, you know, let them, let them spread their wings a little bit. Let them have a, at least a little bit of time in the sun. Maybe it's too good mm -hmm. and you find out long term it's too good, but at least give them that chance before you just knock them down into oblivion. Uh, and that's, I, I don't want to say jury's in oblivion because both you and I play against some really good jury players. But to, to go back to your statement there, I really think that's much more the players than the character. Uh, if those same people had put time into Cami or something like that, I think they'd be a lot further along. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it's it, I agree with you. Jury's not a free win, but it's also like she's just too underwhelming for what she should be. Apparently, people aren't having that that much fun playing her, and and they still want to play her. But I think that comes yeah. from the momentum from before Street Fighter Five. And if that's the case, it's like you've got all of that, and and this is the result. Given that that's how much was put into it, you're coming into things. Again, it's just too big of a gap between what should have been and what actually manifests. And so I think it's a more of a missed opportunity. There are much less popular characters, um, and one of which that, that didn't make this list, but you could argue that he's very much not popular, is someone like Blanca. Blanca is one of the, one of the less played characters, but Blanca kind of exists for in like a, a different sort of capacity when it comes to DLC and when it comes to hype for this game. When Blanca came out, one, we were all going, oh, all right. He's not a character as much as others that is supposed to be on the character select screen for people to choose as much as he's there for the sake of, of the joke, for the sake of the personality of the game, that you have this sort of trolly online type of character that has these trolly online tactics, that has a costume like Blanca-chan. That was a huge splash. That got a lot of attention. You know when he first came out so so there was i think blanca and you could probably say in a similar sense dan served purposes and they were effective dlc if for different kinds of reasons but when you have a character like jury the reason you want her is because you're going to get a lot of people that want to play her a lot of people that want to download her that might jump into the game just for the sake of jury and when she's as underwhelming as she's been in the public eye and they haven't been able to shift the discussion to being that she's actually fun and enticing and yeah come on in the water's great that's a failure on my in my eyes. Mm -hmm. The next one up here is the one that I feel 
the most lukewarm about, and that's why he reached this. I don't have anything amazing to say, nothing that really stands out about him, and that might be part of the reason why I, I see him as one of the kind of bigger failures of DLC here, but that is Cody. I think that they're similar to Jury, there was an expectation, he didn't really hit it, not to the same degree or, or the same deficit as Jury or Sagat, but he's always been so just lukewarm and 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 i i think of cody and and i go i'm not excited i'm not mad i'm not anything and i feel like kind of the most apathy about this character i don't know if that's just me or not but i you certainly don't see him pop up too much in competition he's relatively uncommon not the most but relatively uncommon when you're playing online and for, for what he could have been, he's, he's been around for a long time. He's a legacy character from the Final Fight series. He's had a few Street Fighter appearances. He's got a lot of cool swag to him. There was a lot of, of you know, momentum going into it with like, oh, he's the mayor now and Kenny Omega's doing and, and people were excited to see him. He came out and then I like never heard anything about Cody after that. Every once in a while, like Shazzy or I don't even, I haven't even seen Shazzy play in a while. It's, you know, you got other people like Hoji playing and it's just some side thing online or someone made top eight on, you know, in an online event, but, but nothing going with Cody and he's so cool, but, but he's not in this game. Mm -hmm. it's uh cody's like in the legacy of street fighters like one of the most powerful characters it's yep. like you know him akuma like i think gin is up there uh oro and a few others and it's like this is one of the characters you probably can't do this too like i think that you know story-wise is really cool he's a mayor they did him a brand new look i think his new look is great i think a lot of the stuff works for him i just think like his gameplay has been too mediocre and and he's kind of one of those characters you don't want to be where he's at right now uh you kind of look at him as a big fit i don't want to say a big failure but maybe maybe that's not unfair because i know a lot of people who are big fans of cody and they just don't like him at all and and that's kind of like with a popular character like him, that's kind of like what you don't want to do. Um, and, and so like, I, I rarely advocate for a character who plays like Cody does to be just kind of like, um, unnaturally buffed, but he's kind of like one of those characters where it's like, it, he's not Ryu, but he's also like you don't want to disappoint the fans of Cody by making him like what he is right now. So it, it he he falls too flat. Mm -hmm. So boring the crap out of me. And there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear of of this idea of making characters pay to win, right? And that's something that's popped up in the Mortal Kombat arena. That's something that's popped up in the Dragon Ball Fighters arena. That the new characters that come out are so good, and that's because the obvious incentives that you want people to buy them and such. And I think that there's room for some of that, especially if you're regularly updating your games. Um, and it makes people want to b both play them and know how to fight them, which is nice because you're going to see them more often and you're going to have a reason to take them into training mode and you won't end up like <laughs> running into them randomly in tournament when you have no idea what's going on. Uh, that's still on you, but hey, there's some incentive to explore that. And uh, I really do think that there is a, a tactful approach of making characters maybe a little better than they will end up being, but erring on the side of strength so that people explore them, so that they can be this surge of hype in your game without completely compromising the competitive side of things. It takes tact. It takes a lot of attention and detail, but that's your job. And, and this is yeah. where we are here in 2021, DLC fighting games like i expect that that would be something that developers pay attention to and execute highly upon yeah it, it's so much fun watching the same 10 characters dominate a game for five years in a row because mm. that that's great entertainment it's like i want to see that rashid versus rashid matchup 
for the millionth time. Absolutely. Boom. Here it is. Capcom Cup. Boom. So uh, thank you for that, Capcom. <laughs> I um I have a I, I'm not sure how to go about this last pick. I actually have two characters. One of which I think is is the bigger, stronger example in terms of how I'm analyzing. But I wanted to talk about both, and it's G and Manat, both of whom. Hmm. And it's interesting, right? Because we'll start with this. Manat came out season uh th- two, right? Anyway. Uh, season, season three well they they changed all the freaking seasons around so it's like all the seasons get blended together but we know approximately when Manat and g came out and there we go g so. was season three <laughs> Manat was season two yes anyways Manat comes out she um she made a huge splash and she made a huge splash competitively speaking we saw a ton of Manat players she had this interesting new approach to the game with her uh especially with her v trigger one she was a zoner that could zone there was reason to talk about Manat. There was reason to watch footage of Manat matches, both in competition and just to, to do research. We were running into her a little bit, but as I went back and looked at the Capcom um, Fighters Network stats, she's never been a popular character. And as yeah. you've said a million times, she's very technical. She's not easy to play. Fair enough. She came out as a very hot star um, in terms of the competitive side of things, and she was also everybody's waifu day one. There was a lot of uh, hype about her as a character and design. She's attractive. She's this and that. She's a waifu. I think that she came out as a success, no questions asked. But as soon as they nerfed her, she became a shell of what she was, and people very clearly did not want to put in the time. And as I went through, uh, you can go on CFN on their um, on the Capcom Shadowloo page, and you can look at character popularity every single month uh, since the game came out. And Minot has almost never been outside of the top of the bottom three most popular characters yeah. sometimes she's number four when she came out she was like 12th in popularity um she was 29th the month after and she's been hovering in bottom three ever since and that's through the time where she was doing well in competition and it's up until now and and i gotta think you know i, I felt like Manat was the next jury in terms of she comes out everyone's really excited about her talking about her drawing her um apparently playing her but uh, evidently not so much and then now she's not there. She doesn't have that competitive presence. And I mean, sure, maybe she's waifu a little bit, but hey, Rose is out. And, you know, people like you that were fans of Rose that were fans of Manat because of her proximity. Well, now you got Rose. And she's really taken a back seat. And so it, it almost feels like that initial hype was kind of either artificial or it was so fleeting that she's ultimately become a failure despite that hot start. But I really wanted to ask I, you about it because you're you've been yeah, on my main and yeah, a lot of rebuttals to this one, but also you've got good points too. Monat um, came at a time when everyone was saying Street Fighter Five was a brain dead easy game to play, and so she was kind of Capcom's answer to that in a lot of ways because like, okay, you think this game is easy? Well, here's one of the most technical characters we've ever designed. Uh, I don't know if she's the most technical Capcom character ever, but she's up there at the least. Uh, even playing Rose, Rose is really hard to play in this game. Still, Monat is a step above her. Uh, Monat is ridiculous, um, and. 
so that was kind of like Capcom's way of saying, okay, community, like if you want to play a technical game, here she is. Then the other thing is um, Infiltration had, you know, uh, his whole situation and stuff happen. He was one of the best Monop players, and he was one of the big reasons how come she made such a big splash, him and Sako. Uh, Sako, of course, experiments with a lot of characters, always has, probably always will. Uh, if Infiltration didn't, you know, have that time away basically i think monat would be much higher up on people's radars because he'd be winning a bunch of tournaments uh and and monat is a character who really fits that kind of keep away slippery style that he plays a lot mm -hmm. um so there there's there's a good bit there but overall um it, it's kind of like it, she's a double-edged sword i think of of street fighter V's complaints where the community is like you know give us this like we really want this and then the reality is like nah i'm just gonna go play freaking rashid you know like rashid's like so much easier to play or i'm gonna go play like you know akuma or something like that some other character who's much easier to play we don't really want execution here we just want to complain about it and and have you address it and then not use the character that addresses it do you <laughs> so, think they'll bring her back kinda... in future street fighters is she the kind of character that would be worth you know doing? I actually, uh, on the Event Hub's chat, um, uh, I, I actually said that. I didn't think Monat would come back. And they're like, well, look at all the fan art. Look at all the cosplay. Look at all the other kind of stuff. Like, there's a really good case for her from a popularity standpoint to bring her back. And I think you could simplify and probably should simplify the character a bit from what she is here in Street Fighter V. And it's, you're better off for it. Because, I mean, again, I, I played the character for three freaking years. And even then, I was still struggling to do some of the stuff that, like... Uh, <laughs> she's so hard to play mm -hmm. so um it, it, it's a, it's an interesting case i i don't necessarily fully agree nor do i fully disagree well that's it's, where it's, i'm at it's too kind of, <laughs> yeah it's it's a really interesting spot with her it's it, she's a she's a compelling entry for this mm -hmm. oh and I, I, let me correct something i said that she was uh, top 12 she was top six the month after her release that was when she was most popular and then she went to the bottom three the month after that and usually a character hits pretty high top 10 sometimes top three or so and then you know slowly wanes she immediately Immediately went down to bottom three, uh, often below Falk, and has been there ever since. So, uh, just yeah. something to observe about her. And I'm not certain that she's a she's a failure through and through. But man, those are not very good marks. But the other character I wanted to talk about was G. Manat's uh, one of people that think that they should know is Manat's last name. They never talk about it. Is training mode. Monat training mode. That's her name because you just spend the next four or five months of your life in training mode with her if you want to play her. So. Oh, I thought it was gonna play her. Just Monat gonna play her. So. Uh, <laughs> That's much better. There you go. Last one here is. Uh, last one here is is G. And and I guess these guys are are kind of fighting for this final spot if it's a top five. But G came out. Um, mm. He he wasn't immediately hyped, but he had he had a decent amount of hype around him. He started to gain momentum when people figured out his V trigger stuff, which is a few months after release. And and then he was a real hot character that you'd see everyone had like a pocket G. But you know, it wasn't it wasn't a good hot character. It was a frustrating, this is what's most wrong with the game right now, robbery, undeserved feelings. Um, but it did drive a lot of people to want to play him. And I would say that's an example of a character coming out and being too strong, inappropriately balanced in a way that is attractive to play him, but it's not attractive for everybody else that's on the playground with him. And that's a problem. So, um, but that happened. And it was kind of that way for a couple of years. And then Capcom nerfed him a little bit, changed that around for season five. And hot damn, has he fallen off? I don't think he's, uh, he, he doesn't really reach the, um, he doesn't have like 2% of the character of the uh, player base playing him. He's always sub 2% nowadays. And, and really he just feels like he was played because he was OP. But as soon as he wasn't, there was almost nothing left to, to the character. And then he's still 
good, but he's not as easy to win with as he used to be. And and, and again, that's it feels like evidence that he people were just playing him because he was kind of an easy win or or he could kind of cheat around a little bit and steal stuff away, and that was fun for the player, not for the uh, for the other player. And and so that combination, it's like. I don't know how much lasting staying power that's going to have. And and really, when he was doing well, as much as he was getting hype, uh, he was also making people frustrated. And to me, that's not a good combination. That's ultimately not a good final score for a DLC character if you want people jumping in and playing your game. Yeah, this is a character I disagree with you the most on. Uh, I actually think G has been pretty darn good. Uh, I loved his intro at Evo with the voice actor that came out there. Uh, they had all the, the player cards that Capcom did. I think that... I think G is actually a really good example of how you launch a brand new character. Uh, he's based on Q, who we know is like very popular within the franchise. Um, like I think G has actually been one of the bigger characters, and I there's some stuff I'd like to see done with him still, but he's still popular in the circles I run in. Like I run across a G player uh, fairly often now. I'm in California, and that's kind of like G country, right? Like the you know the West Coast is kind of like where you see a lot of your G's at. So. It, it, it depends, but um, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, <laughs> didn't, didn't intend for that one, but there it is. Um, anyway, I'm going to roll with it, but uh, I, I mean, I love his design. Uh, I think he's really well done. The robbery stuff, you and I really advocated against, like, knocking him down, but I think he needed that initial run to get traction and, and you know, to compete with the, the idiots of the, you know, the Street Fighter realm, like the Balrogs and the Bisons and other stuff. Like, he kind of needed that to stand out from the crowd, and I think there's enough people still playing him in this day and age that he's a justified character. Character. So th that's the one I disagree with you the most on. Um, I actually like G quite a bit. So like a G quite a bit as not a G player. That's that's crazy for me to hear. But I believe, yeah. You. Uh, yeah, yeah. Most recently, and, and he was robbery too. And you know how you know how I feel about robbery characters. But he he makes a lot of sense. But I'll keep in mind I played against G a lot because Dream King played him for about a year and a half. So I got very familiar with a lot of setups and other things. And he's pretty tricky to counter, but he's also tricky to play. So it. it it feels more earned with him than it does a lot of the other robbery characters. Uh, you, you yourself, you even played a little bit of G, and you saw that he's, to do his advanced stuff, he's reasonably technical for robbery, especially in this game. So. Eh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm ready to go on to the next one. All right, guys. I wanted to talk here... Uh, we, we, we did a list last week, and we, we got some complaints in the comments about people who were like, hey, look... Like, how come you didn't talk about these characters? And it's like, because I was saving them for the top 10 most laggy characters when you play Street Fighter V online. I wanted to talk about these bastards. And look, we've all been there. You load up your copy of Street Fighter V, which takes about 20 minutes to do on PlayStation 4, and then you head into some ranked games, right? And then you see it. One of these characters we're talking about pops up, and you know there's a damn good chance that you're going to be in for it. Not dazzled by the other player's skills. No, 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 no. You're going to see some mind-numbing latency. And this player is going to use it to their full advantage. Because why would they not do that? Now, that's the important part here. Some players lag, while other players abuse that lag. Now... I feel personally attacked already. Because I feel like <laughs> as you were writing the notes for this, you printed out a picture of my face and just put it on the wall. And just all of the emotions that came from looking at that is were just where the notes that you jotted down. But go ahead, you, know you haven't said been anything a, yet, so... That would have been a much better idea than what I actually did. I should have done that. So thank you for that idea. Next time, I'm definitely going to hit that up. But some of you might not agree with some of the characters on this list. Maybe John here, right? But I would encourage you to leave a comment down below. 
uh, with your top three most laggy characters because you know, hey, it's it's fun to kind of see what other people's perceptions are. So, uh, my perception is, is, of course, reality for me, but it might not be reality for you. So, so uh, just so. To, to clarify, it, is this characters that that cause the game to lag because of their you know like visuals, or is is it characters that players often will do something like mash the controls because that causes more lag and then they'll use that as part of their uh, you know strategy to slow things down so that you can't react to their character who benefits from lag yes okay fine fair enough <laughs> yep yep <laughs> so without further ado <laughs> number 10 we have birdie in I don't know why so many people with terrible connections are attracted to this guy. Mm. Perhaps it's just his just-do-it nature, low execution, really high damage for getting a random read. All right. Well, now that actually makes a lot of sense why people play Birdie, because all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, that sounds, really like, well. that sounds like a good time. I'm going to be a Birdie yeah. main now. Yeah, so negative five, negative nine, bullheads, it doesn't really matter, because if lag happens, it's barely going to be punishable anyway. And so you can do a few extra of those just for fun. Like, you know, with latency and stuff on your side, it's like, just kind of go ahead and do that because there's a good shot it's going to work out in your favor. And, and once you do one of these, go ahead and just walk back like what you do a bullhead um, or, or don't even walk back because you might be a safe distance and hit standing medium punch and then go and do another bullhead. And this will take you a long way overall in Street Fighter V ranked. And, and just kind of remember if you have a bad connection, it's not about playing smart. It's about using that connection for every unfair advantage it offers until you're blacklisted on CFN. I, I have a lot of grief from playing against birdies over the years. Um, not necessarily because of, of lag, but man, input lag, birdie doing the dolphin dives back in seasons one and two, that was something that you'd be ready for, you'd be thinking about, and just never could get out of it. And then, and yeah, his, uh, well, a big part of his design was that he would have those trap moves that would put him at like minus five, but you couldn't do anything about it. And if you tried to, you were just whiffing, which meant he could punish you. Uh, things like that were super frustrating, but you're right as a grappler character, someone who is basically testing your reactions as they make their attempts to get close, man, when, when lag comes, you know, factors in and then they get to be where they want to be and birdie in your face, that's terrifying because whether he command grabs you or whether he lands a hit, man, he's taking a lot of damage. Um, he's definitely a frustrating character. I would say that, that that's, it's really easy for any grappling or brawling type character to fall into this category and he definitely fits the bill. All right, so number nine, we have Abuki. And Abuki is actually a character from the fairy tales who lives under a bridge and eats unsuspecting people who try to traverse into her territory. Except instead of eating your body, she's there to consume your points. Yeah, I'm calling Abuki a troll, and that's really what she is, a league points troll. Look, you know, and the Abuki player knows, that an EX kunai is coming near the start of every round two, <laughs> because Abuki players always have meter at the start of round two. And while they could do something else, with latency on your side, why wouldn't you do an EX kunai? It just makes sense. You might win the round right there with a single move because it leads right into her vortex. And Ibuki players just kind of seem stacked with more points than they really should have. And every one of those points is just one more reminder of how many people's league point souls they've consumed through the years. So fear Leggy Ibuki. She's there to eat your points. I don't know if I've experienced a ton of <laughs> specifically laggy issues with Ibuki, but her mix-ups are crazy both on and offline, and uh, I've definitely I've definitely had some gnashing of teeth following Ibuki matches. 
Yeah. So, well, here's a here's a character you have had some experience with, John, through the years, and that's at number eight. We have Rashid, and Rashid falls into a special category here of what I like to call lucky latency. And lucky latency is basically defined as you'll be winning against a Rashid player, and lag will happen, and all of a sudden you know, that leg comes into play, it could impact both players in a negative way, but against a Rashid, it always seems to benefit him. That's lucky latency. And while I haven't been able to confirm this, I'm pretty sure there's a bit in the game's netcode that says, did the game lag? Okay, let's increase Rashid's movement, invincibility, our move startup time, are all three of them. And if that sounds facetious, wait until you play a few Rashids online, and then you'll swear that block of code actually exists in the game. His moves are so good, like the, the reach and the priority and the movement. Rashid is always just, just out of your grasp and is still able to hit you, especially as you're grasping at him, as you're chasing him down. He can chase you down just fine and often does, but the moment he goes into that like retreat and ha-ha, he can't get me kind of thing, jumping off the walls and V-skill 2-ing back and forth or jumping through my tornado or whatever it is, and then, I like that you say the moment he goes into that. When is he not doing that? When job? he's when like he's then? doing wake up DBs or when he's running and doing tornadoes on the ground, uh, the tornado spin at you. Uh, but yeah, it's it's not often, uh, and he just kind of goes. Through, it, it does feel like, um, and this is even without lag, which I think it's just magnified when you are in lag, and and that's both in the actual happenings, but also in your feelings of of frustration and tension. But his buttons and his abilities are just like they're always just out of range and then hitting you and that may i mean good if you're skilled that's what you should be as, as like a skilled player with anyone it should make your opponents feel like that and i'm sure i've run into rashids that have earned that uh feeling but at the same time are are you really sure no uh, it's well <laughs> yeah. so so many of his moves so many of his movements kind of naturally do that for him for various reasons and so yeah it, it feels like that when he's not laggy too but all the more so when you're playing and there's some lag factor in Okay, so I hit some unpopular characters here. Let me hit a really popular character here at number seven, and that's Urian. Urian players like to think, take things to a whole different level. This guy was on our scummy tier list, but he also makes the latency tier list as well. And for a Urian player, it's not just enough to do all of his dirty things. Sometimes they feel the need to go up and just teabag you for having the, the nerve to just fight against this monster. And it's well documented that latency makes it harder to depend on things like timing, reactions, and skill, which is very, very, very bad news for you when it happens, but very good news for Urian players when it goes down because that just feeds into everything they want to do. And it's stuff like the EX headbutt, which is truly treacherous online. There are a ton of baits and ways to make, you know, just you stop that move cold offline. It's not that bad. Um, but you, you, you can throw out a number of those tactics when you play it online because while they technically work, they don't work well when your opponent is borrowing their neighbor's internet connection who lives seven houses down. And again, this is an advantage for Urian players. You probably don't even want to pay for your own internet. That might actually give you a, a playable connection. Just borrow off some people who live around you and rake in the sweet, sweet LP points. Or league points, sorry, LP points, yeah. The LPP, baby. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know how many times... Are you down with LPP? <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> how many times I've gone for a, an attack on a blocking or, or not blocking Urian, seen the hit and going, oh, cool, and then all of a sudden it's actually me getting hit with an EX headbutt. Yeah. Best oh, feeling, best feeling ever. Yeah. Um, I put yeah. him in the same kind of boat as Rashid in that his normals and his specials as well kind of do the job for him relative to a lot of other characters. And so you see them just happen a lot and then they go his way. 
not so much in the movement category like Rashid, but uh, again, it's it's rough enough offline when you pepper in lag and then those things are hitting you and and it's like like I said, it looks like you hit him, but all of a sudden it roll back and you're the one getting hit. It lands in a special place in your heart when that happens. So number six, we've got Armika. Latency Armika is a lot like Rachel McAdams in Mean Girls. She smiles a lot, she's hot, and she does a ton of things just to piss you off. Look, you don't pick up and play this character to have a good and fair match. Everyone knows this. But the amount of bullying Armika players do throughout a match is only multiplied by latency. Drop kicks, dive bombs, dashes. Every time the game stalls out, you know your odds are that much less of actually doing anything resembling Street Fighter when you're playing against an Armika's latency game. No one wins here. Just like when Rachel McAdams bullied all the other girls in high school, few people will make you as salty as Regina George. Armika George. Dude, you're not wrong. This might be my number one pick on the list. We'll see you as we go through here and if you make some better cases for other characters. But the first one that comes to mind is Mika because, and it's again, this sort of like grappler brawler archetype that's when she's close to you, that's where she wants to be. But your advantage is that she's got bad neutral and she's got a, a rough time getting there. And so what you, the onus is on you to stop drop kicks to, to see if she's going to jump in, but then cut things short with a, uh, like a splash, you know, and if she's just going to try to beat you on the ground with some footsie whiff punishing and things along those lines. But when you pepper in lag and, and what happens is she's like varying the drop kick timing, which it's a crush counter. And so you're, you're hitting her out of it. And then the one time where all of a sudden there's just that little bit of lag. So then you're mistime your button and you get crush countered and she gets in especially in earlier times where, where she was vortexy and and really bad. Uh, but even now, it's like she can do some real bad damage. And so when she gets her big advantage for something that she doesn't deserve, like that sucks. And it's like, th that's that's really bad. And I have to ask you, John, something she does. When does Mika ever deserve it? Mika, I played Pudo <laughs> at Combo Breaker one year, and he definitely was playing just a whiff punishy game for the most part. And, okay. uh, and, and, but, but I hear what you're saying and, uh, and yeah, I'll but, never, never. So there's a few out there. Yeah. That, okay. But anyway, so at number five, we got Laura and a number of people in the comments were fairly upset. I didn't put Laura in the last list of scummy characters, but I was saving her for now. Laura isn't as bad offline, but when you take her online, oh man, a lot of people start off okay against Laura. I mean, she is gorgeous and you know, it takes some skill to pull off a number of things she has. She has, you know, some tricky stuff, right? But then she starts grunting and saying all sorts of crazy stuff and you get scared. And when Laura scares you, all the knowledge that Velociraptor put out there in the tips video he put out, it goes straight out the window. And I should know. I just ran into a Laura and I'm like, okay, John told me how to do this. I know this, this, and that. I was prepared. I was ready to go. And then Laura starts saying crazy stuff like, let me zap you. And every bit of that knowledge drained out of my freaking brain. Look. Laura is terrifying when she starts saying her crazy stuff and she starts glowing with electricity and the stuff she says wouldn't normally be considered like, you know, words to inspire fear. Like, let me zap you. And like, you know, awesome I'm zap here, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't normally be terrified by that stuff, but that's just because you haven't played enough Laura's yet. The, the, the moment she starts saying that crap, your sphincter clinches up and, and, and you, you just lose all knowledge and it just it goes and so yeah you might prepare against laura but does preparing actually help you that much the answer and latency is probably no how can i say something other than when she activates v trigger one all right well 
touche. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, you probably that was the most succinct and like yet you know, uh, uh, let's say a picture is worth a thousand words. Like just saying Laura's B tricker one is probably worth a thousand words. So good stuff there. So at number four, we have Balrog. One of the things that Balrog players count on is, is being so mentally confusing that you don't know up from down. And I mean that literally expect about 17 overheads during every matchup against a Balrog player, because reacting to his overhead is almost impossible in latency. You know this, but much worse for you, your opponent playing Balrog definitely knows this and is going to spam these unsafe moves whenever he possibly can. Unsafe, you know, disadvantage, it doesn't matter. They're coming. Can you block them? Probably not. And that's what leggy Balrog players are basically counting on. And, and one of the things about it is, is you know when you're going to run across a leggy Balrog player because he has some weird-ass name like like French Fry Biter 27 and he's got like a million points. And you're like, how do you have so many points? And then the match starts up and it slows to a crawl. And you're like, oh my gosh, what have I just gotten into? And the answer is number four on our list, leggy Balrog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stupid leggy Balrogs. <laughs> okay, so at number three, and Bison. All right. I knew it was First coming. Off, knew it was coming. Yeah, you, he had to be on here. Bison's shimmy is incredibly slow. This guy's walk speed is ridiculous. But when he actually has the ability to shimmy you and kind of walk back and forth, those are the longest seconds of your Street Fighter V life as you watch him just grinning at you and just taking his time to leg over to you. And yeah, I didn't say walk over because a lot of Bisons don't actually do that. They teleport around the screen constantly just by doing his, his dash and just existing. This guy's like a ghost. He's slow moving and practically ethereal, and you try and reach out and punch him, and you somehow pass right through him. And that's when it's the good result. The bad result is hearing the crush counter sound. And John, if you don't mind, can you just edit in the crush counter sound about 50 times right now? Because that, that's pretty much a direct recreation of what it's like to play against a laggy bison. You might think you're winning. Hell, it probably even looks like you're winning. And then the rollback happens. And you found that that sick combo you were doing was actually thwarted by a bison player just mashing the crap out of his heavy buttons. And you might not be dead, but you might as well be. Because bison's leg vortex takes no prisoners. It used to be so much worse when V-Trigger 1 was the only option, and then when it was the still the primary option. But now, a lot of Bisons play V-Trigger 2, and then that's got its own advantages. But it's not the BS that V-Trigger 1 is, where he's just teleporting all over the place, and it feels like it, maybe it's the inputs of doing all the dashes, maybe it's just the V-Trigger itself, but it definitely feels like the game also slows down. I mean... It feels like you're lagging even offline um, when that's going on, not because you necessarily actually are, but because of the way the trigger works and how chaotically zany it tends to be. Um, that said, I ran into a bison today that was using V Trigger One, and uh, and I got a, I got away with uh, with the win with the hair of my <laughs> hair of the skin of my teeth. Um, and, and actually, I'll say I'm I'm on like a 13 or 14 game win streak right now. Knockwood. Hey there. Um, but uh, but yeah, Bison's been one of those characters that has um, definitely thrived off of that. Again, the V Trigger One stuff, and he's already been a very very good character. So to tack that on top of everything else, it's just like eh, that's not a fun experience. Speaking of not fun, at number two we have Alex. You put Nikali as number one. Hot damn. All right. Uh, uh, Nikali <laughs> did, did not make the list, man. So Alex is a bad character in Street Fighter V. This is well established. But this guy's tier ranking jumps dramatically when you involve latency. 
all the stuff that requires reactions and spacing is pretty hard to do when the Alex player can just mash everything he does and, and just kind of like, you know, basically mask everything kind of behind like a one second delay and he can just mash out his inputs to do all this other kind of stuff and it's like if there's a one second delay you're not reacting to it he's going to do a stun headbutt he's going to do all this kind of stuff and i mean you might react to it but it's probably not going to happen and if you guys are thinking i'm taking shots at alex and like i i saw people in the comments like hey alex shouldn't be on this list well Majin attention hand who plays alex and alex is one of his favorite characters of all time he was playing in the cpt and he had a match like he was trying to get in against a player you know tournament matches all that kind of stuff and he's like man i can't get in against this guy and he's like what's going on and the guy's like hey just check your blacklist see if i'm in there <laughs> and you know try to do that or not and and sure enough like nick checked it and it was blacklist and the guy mained alex and nick was like look he's like i love alex but like this is one of the worst culprits for latency online this is like this is ridiculous but and again, it's not just that Alex players tend to lag. It's also that this guy gets stronger the more latency happens. Like it just, his lariat arm like grows in size and all this other kind of stuff. Just, mm, it, it, it is just a, a nightmare to go against this guy. Because again, you think you should win, but, but latency doesn't want it to happen. Let me ask you this. What's a worse purgatory for you personally? Where you're stuck in an infinite set against Cammy or an infinite set against Alex? how much latency is involved <laughs> yeah, fair yeah enough. that's i mean that's pretty much it so if, if the latency is heavily involved I, I would pick alex on that one actually uh so but there's someone even worse who's At your number, number one, one john we have ken oh yeah color me surprised i guess not i can't believe you didn't put as many times as you've complained to me about nikali and about specifically lag and how you can't judge like whether it's a jump or a forward dash and all that stuff which was true back before the input lag i don't know how much now but yeah i can't believe you didn't put nikali on this list then no one plays them that's true i, I, I said this before and, and people are like i played them and i'm like you're lying you're not playing them no one's playing them only you that you're the only person i see who plays them but and you have me blacklisted so i guess yeah Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I can't argue with Ken either. <laughs> can't argue with my logic, right? If I if I if I just you know alter the facts to make him suit my narrative, then it's perfect. But anyway, laggy Ken is like Ken on steroids, and that's what Ken's face looks like in Street Fighter Five. He looks like he's all roided up. He's like eh, you staring at the screen, right? And he's staring at you like you're barely there. And that's actually probably a pretty good strategy for online kin players to use. I mean, you could look at your opponent. You could look at what options they pick for V-Trigger, V-Skill, what style they're using in the match. But when you're using a laggy kin, is that in your best interest? And based on what I've seen from kin players, it doesn't appear like it is. Look, latency-based kin is the stuff of FGC legend. It's not just Street Fighter V. It's every game kin has pretty much ever been in. But when I say legend, I actually mean nightmare you know some random crap is going to happen and it's going to last for the entire rest of the match because when a kin player becomes unhinged and no i didn't say if they become unhinged i said when a kin player becomes unhinged they ain't recovering from that and likely you are you're not recovering from that <laughs> leggy kin online is the worst i imagine um uh and you guys can probably picture this too this very vivid image of you going from like any kind of neutral situation to six frames into a ken dp and like the that that in between is lost it just goes from we were doing something and all of a sudden six frames into a dp and your body's on fire getting hit and it's like <laughs> oh that's the <laughs> you say the stuff of nightmares and yeah absolutely 
Yeah, it's. I mean, Ken's been doing it for a long time, man. I mean, like we were playing on X Band back in the day, and Ken was one of those characters who caused latency because the Super Nintendo chip could not keep up with Ken's fiery Dragon Punch, and so we do it. And so one of the best strategies with Ken was to do an a DP and then immediately follow up with another DP because it's possible you could punish it like as he's you know landing and other stuff like that, but it, there was a good chance that it wouldn't work. And so the DP on top of the DP on top of the DP, the triple mix up, it's been it's been happening for a long time. So oh. shout out to Ken. You keep your place at number one dog. Like we love you for that. Not really, but we kind of we kind of respect it. No. I'm trying to time a meaty oh yeah. wake up light tots you got me into V or or you know block string into run, which is super unsafe, but as soon as I see it and try to punish, it's like no actually you're getting hit or huh. Yeah, I, I can't I can't argue with Ken as a number one. I think Mika's definitely up there. I think Bison's up there. Um, and if I were to uh, go off of what of our conversations, you'd say Nikali's up there too with the V trigger and the hair and all that stuff. But yeah, I don't I don't hate your list. I think it's all right. And here's the super smooth transition into my discussion with Nick about Guilty Gear. Okay, welcome back. It's a new week. It's a new Event Hubs podcast. And hey, you know, last week we did a segment on Guilty Gear Strive, the tier lists. Uh, people people really liked it. And um, so there's a lot of interest for that right now. Guilty Gear Strive has a, a lot of good momentum. Not everything about it is perfect. Uh, the, and if you check the front page, there's plenty of coverage there where there's having some issues with things like load times taking forever. I think it's like two to three minutes in some cases. Um, and, you know, it's it's had its, you know, issues and such. But widely speaking, people are pretty dang happy with it. Um, now, but there has been a little bit of reservation about a few things, as always is the case when a new game in a, in a numbered franchise comes about. And usually there's rumblings of, it's not like the old ways, and so I automatically don't like it, or this is an issue, yada yada. Well, um, as these conversations have been going around, we've been hearing stuff like, Guilty Gear Strive is the Street Fighter V of Guilty Gear titles, which that's that's impactful, especially right now in this point in time, because Street Fighter is, of course, uh, very hot on everyone's minds. It's it's been a roller coaster in and of itself, and that's a fairly loaded statement. And so I have welcomed my uh, and since last week he's studied up and now become an expert in Guilty Gear Strive. Nicholas Majentinshan Taylor, welcome on yet again to the podcast. How are you this week? Uh, hey everyone, thanks for having me again. Uh, I'm doing alright. Uh, just wrapped up the coverage for uh, Topanga League, so you know, or Topanga Championship as it's called now. So I know if you enjoy mm -hmm. Street Fighter Five, uh, go check out the vaults of that if you weren't watching it live. I need to, don't spoil it for me, but I hear it was, uh, there's a story either way because of one particular player just doing a, a surprisingly amazingly, and I'm going to go do my research there and everything uh, on Event Hubs. Hey, go check it out. Uh, but yeah, so I, I hear it was really uh, some really good action there. For sure, yeah. Uh, the best Street Fighter Five I've seen, to be honest. Whoa, whoa, all right. So hey, Street Fighter Five, and uh, not too bad of a place right now. But let's not get too far away from topic. Guilty Gear Strive, the Street Fighter Five of Guilty Gear. Nick, I'm going to let you kind of just take it wherever you want, start wherever you want. What does that mean to you? I think it's a very accurate statement. Um, I think anyone who says it probably has different reasons for saying it. Uh, broad. Yeah, it's it's a broad statement, right? Because uh, when you say that, like, what do you actually mean? Uh, I think one of the most prevalent reasons why people say it is uh, a certain thing in Guilty Gear Strive, which is the same in result 
but not the same in execution as Street Fighter V. So that's why mm. I think it's kind of hard to put your finger on it, but you get this Street Fighter V feeling in a certain sense for some uh, some things. Um, so I'm going to try... Uh, I'm, I'm going to explain this here, and uh, I don't think this is necessarily a controversial opinion, uh, but you never know. The comments might go a place. Uh, Hopefully. But one thing with Street Fighter V which a lot of people had problems with, started from when Ono was saying he wanted to level the playing field. That was like the mm -hmm. goal with the game. Uh, personally, I think that's an offensive statement to anyone who plays fighting games seriously, because you're basically saying, like, the people who put the time in aren't supposed to be good. Because you, you want everyone to be able to beat anyone. That's not possible to begin with. Because and I think that's what we've seen as well with Street Fighter Five. Because uh, the good players are still the good players, right? They'll still take advantage of whatever the mechanic is sure. and be better at using that thing yeah. than someone else. Unless it's just an all-out coin flip, and then and then what are you doing? Exactly. Um, so the way they went about this, or they did it in several ways, but one of the ways they went about it uh, was that they limited. Um, they limited the uh, difficulty of combos, right? So mm -hmm. in, if, if we say you and I are playing Street Fighter 4 and I whiff a DP, if you want to do a lot of damage to punish me there, um, I mean, if you were playing Cody, you could you could just do like crouching heavy punch, heavy criminal upper, that's a lot of damage. But if you want to do optimized damage, you're going to have to do something else and that's going to be a lot more damage. Uh, if you look at Street Fighter 5, uh, because of the buffer window and generally like how normals work, since you don't have proximity normals and stuff like that, it becomes a lot easier to have this DP punish. And at least in my experience, basically anyone who's above silver online is going to do like a full DP the, punish at any time. The optimal DP punish, yeah. get the get the maximum amount of damage like, and meter gain and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, possibly not absolutely optimal, but it's going to be like, you're going to lose like a lot of HP, right? Mm -hmm. It's not going to be like the, you know, jab, jab, oh, I screwed up my punish. Now you got away with it, which is typical in fighting games in general. So that... In that sense, making a mistake means uh, it doesn't matter how good your opponent is, you're going to be heavily punished for it. Mm. So what I'm getting is that it's it's high damage output and easy combos. Yes, and the thing here, which is interesting, is that Guilty Gear Strive does it in a very different way. They do not have any buffer to make the combos easier. There are some very complex combos in Guilty Gear Strive. And I would like one frame link complex? Um, yeah. Yeah, you, you need to do like very specific air dashes and stuff like that. Like it's more complex than a one frame link, I would say, in some scenarios. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is very classically Guilty Gear. So in that sense, this these things still exist. And I wouldn't say that any player who plays online in Guilty Gear Strive is going to do like the optimal combo because there's going to be optimized stuff that does a lot of damage. What they instead did, which has the same end result, is that um, even though you're not doing the optimal super difficult combo, you can basically do... Um, slash to heavy slash to bandit bringer with soul, and that's going to be like fifty percent of your HP. Because I'm seeing TODs all over the place. Yeah, because damage is so high, which means that yeah, the difficult combos are still there, and they're going to be very situational, and they're going to be interesting, and you know sometimes people are going to close out rounds in a very high way. But the same principle as we saw in Street Fighter Five is there, which is if you make a small mistake, you're going to eat a lot of damage, even if this person hasn't actually been practicing. 
Okay, now I was talking to one of my local friends about this, and this would have been maybe two weeks ago or so, but I had heard this idea that the damage output was ridiculously high and that everyone is scary. Everyone is, you know, V-trigger activated towards the end of the round. I, does One slip up, like you're saying, could end things. But then they said, but it is balanced out in Strive because there are multiple defensive mechanics that, that give you a legitimate second chance at fielding these things, even when they're, they're either incoming or even maybe when they're already happening, um, you know, like a like, you know, push block kind of stuff or, yeah. or is it like dusting, things like that. So um, but and I know we brought it up or I brought it up with you and you said that's not quite how things work. But how do you how do you reconcile those two things? Well, my first question is this uh, friend of yours you were talking to, did they play Guild Gear before Strive? I believe so. Okay, because uh, usually people who did play Guilty Gear before Strive are actually going to say the defensive options are fairly limited because they tone them down. Mm. Um, a lot of things are... Um, I mean, you do have several uh, defensive options, but there are problems attached to them that weren't there before. So um, you have the burst. The burst is similar to what it used to be. Um, I would say that the only real big difference with the burst is that it's easier because of like the um, wall splat thing. Or like, not the wall splat itself, but the fact that you have those very high up corner combos uh, lead to bad burst scenarios being more common. So, you know, you do a burst and then uh, it was the wrong call and you get heavily punished for it. That's always been a thing, of course, but I feel like it's more common here uh, to do a bad burst. That could just be in my... In the favor favorite. of the aggressor, then? Yes. In favor of the one doing the offense? Yes. Okay. Like, when I play, I played Ram the Fall. And bursting Ram is not easy. Because uh, she has... I don't want to go too technically into it. Like, anyone who's played the game knows what I mean. Just for me saying that. And uh, that, of course, it's always been the case that, like, certain strings and such are hard to burst. But it feels like Ram can put you in that situation much more often than you have burst available. Because you're only going to have burst a maximum two times a match, and that's if you use the first one early. Um, okay. So, besides that, you have a lot of other things. You have the FD, which is faultless defense, uh, which is uh, you hold two buttons while you're blocking. Uh, and that burns meter, but it also means you take... Uh, I don't remember if it's reduced chip or zero chip. I think it's zero chip, so you don't take any chip at all, I believe. Uh, and it pushes a little bit more. Uh, the thing about that is, uh, given how the game system works, it's very difficult for you to actually get proper meter if you're not the aggressor. So, given... Sounds snowball-y. Yeah. So, because of that, having the meter available to, like, actually keep the FD up for these, like, nightmare scenarios, probably not likely if you're in that position to begin with. Uh, and then you have things like the uh, they changed the YRC, like uh, Yellow Roman Cancel. It was a completely different thing in XRD. So when you talk about the two different games, they're two wildly different mechanics, even though they have the same name, which is essentially like kind of a B-reversal, if we're looking at Street Fighter mm -hmm. V terms. So that's the thing that exists. Um, and you also have the very strangely changed uh, instant block feature. So instant blocking is uh, basically you block at the exact moment when you get hit, roughly. Okay. Uh, the window for doing this in XRD was, I believe, eight frames. So if you tapped back, then that was an eight frame window, which was would count as an instant block. Okay. Okay. And what instant block did is it reduced the pushback of the incoming attack. And it also reduced the frame advantage of it. So say someone did a move that was plus minus zero. 
it could now possibly be minus three or something like that. And you would also be closer to them. So that was a way to mitigate very oppressive offense. Sounds like the parry for the Street Fighter crowd. Yeah, it's similar. Um, parries in Third Strike are interesting because you can actually do two types of parries, one which is a clean input and one where you actually hold the input. And mm -hmm. uh, the window is bigger than I think most people realize for a parry. I believe if you just tap, it's 10 frames. And if you... Oh, I thought it was two frames. No, no, no. It's much larger than that. Red, red parry is two frames. Or maybe even one frame. Uh, and if you hold it, I believe it's six frames. Uh, I can get blown up in the comments here, but I, it, it's big. <laughs> It's bigger than you think. It is. Comment on uh, on Nick's lack of knowledge. Yeah, but it's bigger than you think anyway. Um, so Instant Block was 8 frames in Exert, as far as I can remember. Instant Block now in Strive is 2 frames. So putting that into context with the parry, because you were like, oh, I thought the parry was 2 frames. Make that in your mind. Like Imagine that you're doing the like less clean input for a parry. That's still 6 frames. So this is a third of a parry. Okay. Okay. And it does not change frame advantage at all anymore. What it does is change pushback. So say that Sol does a plus three move on block to you, and you actually manage to instant block it, which is extremely difficult because it's a two frame window. It's insane. You're not actually getting rewarded for this because he's still plus three and you're even closer to him. Wait, you're even closer? Yeah. So you, you, what you do when you do the um, instant block is you reduce the pushback from them on block. It's a way so you can punish certain moves that push you far away. Okay, so the way this is set up right now, it sounds like there are no benefits from it, and it's a just a total oversight or poor design choice. That that can't be where we're no, at no. with a game. There like are Strive. definitely benefits to it, but given the tight window, it's not really applicable in matches for the majority of players. Even top players are probably not going to be able to do it consistently. But there will be certain moves that would normally push you very far back, but they're like minus ten or something, and they would now be unsafe. Uh, mm. because of you doing it. So what I'm kind of gathering here is that if there is an issue in the ter in terms of the balance of damage output, the ease of damage output, and essentially earning the kinds of damage or the lack thereof, like if you're the defender, um, earning the advantage or earning your escapes, things along those lines, the equation might add up to something that well, in Street Fighter V, especially in the in the early times, I should say, well, the first couple of years, uh, it was that it felt imbalanced and that it was much too heavily in the aggressor's favor. Mm -hmm. And that made the whole thing feel like kind of kind of moot. And it's just like, yeah, I can I can spend my time trying to do this. But the reward, the risk reward yeah. was not there. And that led to the whole thing feeling um, more of a sense of frustration, more negative feelings coming out of it. And and there is like you first of all, you're you're risk reward balance is always going to be kind of you know that that's that's a moving target depending on the game you're playing to a certain extent and what that looks like and and that's that's a detailed thing that we don't need to get too far into but the idea is if you have the the right combination for your game for your game's atmosphere it might not be 100% fair but it feels satisfying to do the the routine motions and the interactions and things along those lines and as far as i can tell people seem very satisfied with with guilty gear not totally and obviously there especially in a vanilla version there's going to be some kinks there's going to be some tod's that people don't want but but people are excited to engage and play and i and i don't commonly hear that they're super upset about things at least not in the way it felt like they were uh you know back in 2016 for the uh, release of street fighter and, and just how it either felt like you were barely getting away with a win by the seat of your pants and it was stressful or it was very extremely frustratingly bad to lose 
Um, does it feel like that, or or is it still balanced in a way that it, it might not it might not be balanced, but it, at least it's fun? It's gonna be different for every person, right? But from my general experience, a lot of the people who are enjoying Strive a lot now are people who came from Street Fighter Five. Uh, I see a lot of Street Fighter Five players picking it up, having a good time with it, and. I think if you like Street Fighter V, it's going to be very easy to like Strive because you've already been through the rough parts, right? And you still enjoy the game, presumably, if you're still playing Street Fighter V. And as such, the frustrating aspects of Strive would not be as frustrating for you because mm -hmm. you're already okay with it. Uh, I actually am seeing quite a lot of people uh, be more frustrated, uh, similar to what I saw in Street Fighter V. But again, it's going to be different for every person. Like, um, anecdotal evidence isn't going to really offer much. Uh, but there are definitely people who are less infused uh, about mm -hmm. the... Uh, how should I say? The, the way matches sway, so to speak, in uh, Strive. Mm -hmm. How often they perceive the more deserving, the more practiced, the better yeah. player and, and, and I think this is also very evident because if you look on Twitter um, in general, people are pushing for longer sets in the game. And that's generally something you do when you feel it's fairly inconsistent. Like nobody yes. wants this to be a first to two game. Everyone is saying it should be first to three, some even saying first to four. And we've seen some top eights go first to four, which I've never seen for any fighting game before. Um, are the rounds really quick? Sometimes they don't have to be. Hmm. So it's kind of a TO nightmare in that sense. Um, but yeah, I I think that tells the tale itself, really, because going up to first to three instead of first to two is something you want in any game because it heightens consistency and it makes it like more likely that the better player will win, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a very hard push for it in Stripe, and I think that's because people are feeling that themselves. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, I think I think so. But uh, yeah. um, we've talked about gameplay a lot here, and and we can we can stay there. But I want to make sure to give at least a chance to say: Is there anything along the lines of when you say Guilty Gear Strive is similar to SF Five? Um, SF Five had an incredibly rocky launch, and we are here just in still in the honeymoon phase of Strive. Is any of it? In, is any of the comparison there in a poor launch in like missing modes or missing parts of the game or does that feel completely like a checkbox it's really just gameplay that we're talking about it depends a bit on what you look at i would say strive is a much more complete experience than street fighter 5 was at its launch uh you have the story mode which is essentially a long movie you have the arcade modes you have robust training mode you have you don't have trials you have like different missions instead but like their replacement for trials so to speak um mm -hmm. Obviously, the lobby is very controversial, with good reason, but that's a choice, right? It's not like a lacking feature. This is a thing they've decided to go with. Uh, I think a lot of personality is missing, which I remember was also something people uh, kind of felt from Street Fighter V, because if you look at uh, previous Guilty Gear games and also recent Arxis undertaking, such as Dragon Ball Fighters and Granblue Fantasy Versus, there are a lot of of character-specific quotes and things like that. And Guilty Gear has been extremely good at this in the past. Uh, there's nothing like that at all right now. Uh, like, What about in gameplay? Does it look like every player or every character is being played by the same player? Or can you tell someone's playing a different soul? I think it's less individual than it was in 
Xart, for example, but it's more individual than a Street Fighter Five. Uh, I can I was commentating an event last uh, weekend, which was mm-hmm. across the north, uh, a Scandinavian or like Nordic uh, online tournament, and in the grand finals you had Swamp and uh, very seasoned Guild Gear veteran up against Hiari, who is a world class uh, Unis player, and they were both playing Ram. And I think you could very clearly tell that they were playing very different Rams. And being this early in the game, that is a good sign, of course, that you can Mm -hmm. already feel that from the players. Okay. So what other gameplay aspects, if any, make it feel like the SF5 of Guilty Gear? Uh, Less moves. They removed a lot of moves from a lot of characters. Uh, If you look at Chip's move list compared to like Xrd, probably like half of it is gone. Another good example is uh, Anji. Because uh, this is another one of those things where the result is the same, even if the execution is different. Because Street Fighter V removed the proximity normals, right? Mm-hmm. And also neutral jump uh, normals being different. That's not a thing anymore. So uh, in Street Fighter V, a lot of moves disappeared just with the flick of a wrist, right? In Guilty Gear, they didn't do it quite that same way, but a lot of special moves are missing. Um, I'm not sure if anyone in the roster has like everything they used to have. Uh, but if you look at Anji specifically, this is a character who used to have like 12 command normals. And I think he has two now? Something like oh, wow. that. So, and, and those weren't replaced with something else? No. So there are a lot less moves. Uh, they do still have proximity normals though. They do still have far, far and close. But uh, yeah, the fact that... Uh, and that's what I mean by the same result but different execution. I think mm-hmm. I think that's a thing in this discussion that gets lost because people can't say, oh, they did like if they had removed proximity normals, you could easily say, oh, it's Street Fighter Five of Guilty Gear. Just look, they did the same thing. They didn't do the same things, but they did other things that would lead to the same result, and they did that knowingly because if you look at the interviews with Daisuke, he's saying basically all the same things that Ono said before Street Fighter Five. Uh, so it's a deliberate choice, but they didn't want to go the exact same route to Street Fighter V because they didn't figure this this probably doesn't work for Guild Gear. Like, we don't want to remove proximity normals because we think that's a good part of the game, but we want to do something to mitigate the move list, kind of. Well, I would say it, it, in a lot of ways it didn't work for Street Fighter V and then there had to be some corrections and such put into place. Right. Um, anything else? Um... I do want to, while you're thinking on that, I do want to ask the people that are watching that have played... Um, I, this is this is a very early phase in this game's life, and and I want to hear from more than just Majin here. I, you know, do you feel like things are? Would you say training wheels in Guilty Gear, especially if you played previous ones, and more so, the second part to that. Does it feel like that takes away from the overall experience? Because I do believe you can have a simpler game. Um, it's it's dangerous, but you can have a simpler game and still have it be fun and still have the better player win. It's just that you have to really fine-tune because you're working with fewer things, fewer variables, and so therefore maybe a little less definition or resolution. But my, my question to the audience is, does it feel like Guilty Gear Strive is training wheels Guilty Gear, and does that take away from the fun factor of it? Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's really anything else. Maybe maybe elaborate a bit on what I said earlier about um, the statement being offensive about uh, like leveling the playing field. Um, I, I I think that's that's a statement that always sits wrong with me uh, ever since Ono said it, and uh, Daisuke didn't say it in the same way, but he said it in a like similar regard. And it's I think it's mainly because like these are the fans that supported you, right? These are the guys who made your series be what it is today. 
they're the reason that you have all these tournaments that you're pushing for, all this esports and all that stuff. So why it feels to me like they're basically saying the time you put in, we want to remove that. We don't want yeah. that to be a factor. And that's what that's what I meant earlier when I said like it feels offensive to hear. Uh, and mm -hmm. I also think it's um, a completely, um, how do you, what's a good word? Pointless goal. Because, like I said, you're never going to manage to do that for the high-level players, but you're screwing over the mid-level players, the people who are, like, competent at the game but trying to get higher. Because now they're all of a sudden getting, like, blown up and getting frustrated. Um, yeah, hmm. because There's of... There's the bottom 1%. There's everyone else that can lose to or beat each other. And then there's like the top 1% yeah. who, who will be, win consistently. And that absolutely is how SF5 felt. Yeah. Um, and, and I agree with you that uh, it, you could say it's offensive and that it's something that we don't want for things to be simplified to the point where new players can win. That should not be the goal that new players can win. The goal should more specifically, and this is very important, be that new players can do the things that are fun yeah. and feel a sense of satisfaction even while they are learning the game yes and if you incentivize toward that specifically and it's it's in that same ballpark but it's a huge distinction it's not winning in and of itself is not what's fun it's the journey and i know that's a little bit of a cliche but it, <laughs> it applies here completely it needs to be fun to do the things that lead to winning and it, and it needs to be possible and apparent of how to do those things and that makes it harder it's scary for a developer to have that task in front of you it's a lot easier to say oh well if we make the damage really high for everybody everyone can feel good about whenever they eventually hit a punch you know something like that but that's too low resolution and it's ultimately going to harm your game and make it moot yeah. but i think if you specifically make it fun to do the things that are going to help you level up and and apparent and obvious that's a simplification that you can see oh if i if i do this strategy of, of footsies or neutral there's a reward and that's the thing that makes me want to come back i don't want to try to get to the windscreen i want to get into those scrambly situations where i have to make that decision or manipulate my opponent and that process is fun that's where you want to get it so i'm really hoping that we go more in that direction and that the developers of fighting games learn that specifically and pursue that over just simplification everyone can win don't you want to come and win come play no none of that get that out of here yeah yeah i definitely agree with that sentiment uh you want new players old players to have fun that is extremely important and i think that's like the core of fighting games that's how we all got into them to begin with nobody started playing fighting games without being like damn this is really fun all right, Nick. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Guilty Gear Strive, the Street Fighter Five of Guilty Gears thus far. Let us know if you agree, why or why not, and blow Nick up in the comments. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Play Grandma. All right, y'all. But that's going to wrap us up for this week on the Fed Ups Podcast. Once again, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll be back with you soon. See you next week.